Tim McMahon, after covering the Dallas Mavericks for as long as you have, what was your reaction to Mark Cuban's decision to sell off a majority stake of the team? I was pretty shocked that it was a majority stake. When I first heard the possibility of the Mavericks being sold to this group, that's what shocked me, was like, Mark Cuban giving up the Mavericks? It is such a massive part of his identity. I mean, I I know how much it means to him. I know how invested he is emotionally in it. And let's be honest, before he became Mark Cuban of Shark Tank, Mm -hmm. he was famous because he was Mark Cuban, the Maverick owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Nobody knew who Mark Cuban was until he bought this team, and he was this wild crazy, young, brash billionaire who, oh my gosh, he's wearing jeans and arguing (laughs) with the refs sitting courtside. And and obviously it's just, he was an owner unlike any that we had ever seen before. And this frankly is a sale unlike any that we've ever seen before. Cuban no longer is going to be primarily responsible for the purse strings. Uh, This is a case of a very rich guy getting much richer. But very rich is one thing. Mm -hmm. Very rich by NBA owner standards is another thing. Cuban certainly uh, is not that. And, you know, when you ask why would Mark Cuban make this deal, it was painful for him financially to try to run a competitive NBA team. The Mavericks' pockets suddenly got a whole lot deeper So it's that aspect, Mark Cuban's motivation for the sale that uh, we've been trying to wrap our heads around and, and get a peek inside. When news broke that Mark Cuban was selling a majority stake in the Dallas Mavericks, the entire sports world was shocked. Let's face it, almost no owner in pro sports has their identity tied to their team as much as Cuban does to the Mavs. But as details about this deal started to emerge, some questions started to get answered, while new ones are just now being asked. So today, Tim McMahon joins us to sort through all the dollars and cents and figure out Mark Cuban's next move, where the Mavs are, and where this new ownership sees them going. I'm Israel Gutierrez. It's Wednesday, December 6th. This is ESPN Daily. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Tim McMahon, Mark Cuban, he's owned this team since the year 2000, Tim, and now he's selling off a majority stake of the team. Can you explain the terms of the deal that he made? Yeah, it's a unique deal. You have uh, Miriam Adelson and her son-in-law, Patrick Dumont. She is the widow of casino mogul uh, Sheldon Adelson. Patrick DeMond is the Las Vegas Sands Group COO and, and her son-in-law. And 
they are purchasing a majority share of the Dallas Mavericks at a valuation of $3.5 billion. I believe the reason it's not significantly higher than that is because Mark Cuban will continue to control basketball operations. He will continue to be in charge of the basketball side of things. But in the statement from the families buying the franchise, you know, they say they, quote, look forward to partnering with Mark Cuban to build on the team's success and legacy in Dallas and beyond. This is about these grandiose plans to get gambling legalized in the state of Texas, build a massive casino as part of this Venetian-like resort somewhere in Dallas, and uh, you know, have an arena as part of that. Tim, it's crazy that he would give up a billion dollars in the sale just to keep his job. <laughs> well, Mark Cuban and crazy have been used in the same sentence before. I think this is a pretty sweet deal for him, though. This is his pride and joy. This is his baby. This man just uh, sold a house and doesn't have to move out. Gets to stay in, in his favorite room. You know, <laughs> The man cave is his still. So I'm curious about that, though, because since he is not the majority owner, since he is not the one making final decisions there, is this something that could be stripped from him at any given point? Is he more employee than he was before? Well, and that's interesting. We have certainly seen partnerships that have fallen apart. There's plenty of examples of that. You know, I have not been able to review the the language of the purchase agreement. I've been led to believe there is something in there in writing. I know that, uh, you know, speaking to people uh, close to Cuban, he certainly is extremely confident that he will be in charge of basketball operations, you know, until the end of time or, you know, until death does them part, I guess. <laughs> um, but, you know, how exactly that plays out will be fascinating to monitor. I, I, I will say this. The Adelson and, and Dumont families, I don't believe they have a any real interest in running a basketball team. Okay. They have a lot of interest in expanding their casino empire and their resort empire into Texas. That is their motivation. This is a, a massive business opportunity for them. And the the basketball side of things is a vehicle to their, you know, casino, uh, resort, real estate ambitions. Uh, again, expanding those into the state of Texas. Okay, we'll get to those in a little bit. But right now, let's stay on Mark Cuban's motivation. Why did he decide to make this deal now? You know, what, what I have been told is that this was about being able to financially compete in the NBA. In, in the modern NBA, you know, being able to fund what they hope will be a contender in the NBA. And one significant factor here is the crisis that is happening right now with the regional sports networks right. and specifically with the Bally Sports Networks. And the Mavericks have one of the larger Bally's deals, and those things are blowing up. Though hmm. That money is going away. That was a huge part of the Mavericks uh, basketball budget. So you have that money going away. Uh, you know, the the national TV deal is being negotiated. You know, we'll see what happens with that. But again, this was a situation where Mark Cuban was feeling 
the financial pain of trying to fund a contender. And, you know, you can look at some decisions that the Mavericks have made and trace them back to a hesitancy on Cuban's part hmm. to dip too far into the luxury tax. And that was... Yeah, that's been one of the criticisms of him. Sure, over the last decade, for you know, for a while, it was who cares? And honestly, a lot of the changes in the CBAs over the years have been because of <laughs> you know, Cuban's early kind of cavalier attitude right. towards luxury tax payments. It's become more and more and more punitive and more and more and more expensive. But you know, in, in, in this new CBA, it's not just about the expenses. It is about the restrictions on being able to build a roster. But I was told that Cuban essentially was writing a check that, that was nearing nine figures annually to fund the basketball side of the operations. Hmm. And the way uh, it was put to me is, you know, that's awfully tough even for a, quote, middle-class billionaire. Boy, you talk about some first-world problems. <laughs> but if you line up the, you know, the net worth of NBA owners, Cuban is is closer to the bottom than he is the top. This, this isn't Steve Ballmer, who, <laughs> luxury tax, who cares? Let me look through the couch cushions. Yeah, so we've always thought of Mark Cuban, financially speaking anyway, as being ahead of the game whether it's when he sold broadcast.com or or now. And you're wondering now, Tim, at least outwardly, people were wondering, well, is he getting out now because maybe this TV rights deal won't be what we thought it would be? Maybe the NBA bubble is bursting. But it sounds like what you're saying is he's ahead of the game in so much as he will find somebody to fund his team, somebody to provide the deep pockets where that person just cares about the finances and growing the business. And Mark Cuban can still handle the basketball part, which is the part he liked anyway. He really felt like the Mavericks needed to, one, get a new arena, which is going to be their own arena instead of splitting it with the uh, Dallas Stars hockey team. Um, and to be able to build around that, to be able to you know, really capitalize from the real estate around the arena, which is something that, you know, Cuban's been pretty honest over the years about, hey, he does not have that expertise. Hmm. You know, he he is not a a real estate tycoon or, you know, in this case, a, a casino uh, mogul. The big kind of elephant in the room here is gambling's not legal in the state of Texas. Right. Uh, yet. But the plans absolutely are to lobby to get gambling legalized. And they don't have a site selected yet, but the plan is that they will buy a massive site, build a huge you know, luxury resort that has a casino and that has a new arena for the Mavericks. Coming up, more on the new Mavs owners and their plans after buying the team. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Tim, tell us a little more about this new ownership group. What do we know about the Adelsons and the Dumonts? I mean, we know that they are among the world leaders in the casino Uh, area in the uh, resort area. We know that they are (laughs) extraordinarily wealthy. And, you know, we know that uh, they are willing to allow Cuban to continue running the basketball side of things because this is a business deal for them. It's interesting. Patrick Dumont, who again is the CEO of the Las, or COO, I believe, of the Las Vegas Sands Group, the son-in-law of Miriam Adelson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually met him briefly. Hmm. And I met him briefly when the New York Knicks were in town last season. He was sitting courtside, middle of the court, best seats in the house, right next to Jason Luton, who's Mark Cuban's chief of staff. Hmm. And you might recall that as the night that uh, Luka Doncic had a 60-point I believe 21 rebound, 10 assist, triple double. Oh, a that night. Wi- a wild <laughs> overtime win uh, over the New York Knicks. And a true rim. Well, you want to sell a franchise? What a what a showcase game! Right, the sales pitch. And I, I bumped into Patrick Dumont uh, on his way out of the arena, and he says, "It's always like this, right?" <laughs> you know, obviously joking. He's seen something that we will never, ever, ever forget. Luka Doncic scored sixty points. The Mavericks have an insane rally at the end of regulation to force overtime and win it in overtime. They have a ton of ideas about the business side of things and the way that they can kind of use the Mavericks as a as a centerpiece for these massive, grandiose plans that they have to expand into Texas. But you know, I, I don't think they're going to be like Cuban and, and you know breaking down the analytics of pick and roll coverages. Right, right. Well, I guess the part that's confusing, at least to those in Texas, is the timing of this because, as you mentioned. Gambling is not legal in Texas, and the legislature has tried to pass a constitutional amendment to voters, but that hasn't gotten very far in the legislative process. So what do you think drew the Adelsons and the Dumonts to the Mavericks now? Is it just having the foresight that maybe others don't? Yeah, I, you know, that's a great question. That's a question that uh, certainly will be presented at a press conference. Uh, should we get that opportunity? The fact that they are so invested now in one of the you know major businesses in the state of Texas perhaps creates um, some more leverage for them. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that they wouldn't be making this purchase if they didn't think they could achieve their grand plans. The Adelsons and the Dumonts have the big picture in mind for the Mavericks 
clearly Mark Cuban cares about the right now as well. And you're looking at this team with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. What's that partnership looking like now that we're a little bit more than six weeks into their first full season together? You know, it obviously there's always going to be scrutiny on Kyrie Irving. Um, the the track record of unceremonious exits or, or explosive exits right. uh, from from his previous franchises is what it is. I cannot find a single person around the Dallas Mavericks who has not enjoyed the Kyrie Irving experience to this point. Being around him as a teammate, as somebody to coach, as somebody to 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 interact with. Now, the wins and losses last year, boy, oh boy, it was a mess. I mean, it did not it did not go well. They both dealt with injuries, chemistries, not like you don't just snap your fingers and and it's an instant thing. The one massive difference, and it's funny because this is the the question or the subject I asked about that <laughs> that Jay Kidd gave me the <laughs> little profane pep talk and positivity about. And you guys wanted to make a big deal about last year, but you're not making a big deal about it this year because it's going good, right? So write some positive. I just asked you a question, and I'm giving you a answer. <laughs> but the massive difference is the Mavericks were absolutely terrible last year in clutch situations, and they have been awesome in those situations this season. Luka with 43 points, 14 out of 23 for the floor, looking for his eighth. He got it, he got it, and the Mavericks lead it. And that's the primary reason that they are where they are uh, off to the start. So, Tim, I'm curious if this sale of the team will affect Luca, Kyrie, and this current iteration of the team, or is it sort of too soon to expect that turnaround to affect this group? Yeah, I mean, the statement from the folks buying the franchise said they were hoping to get this finalized by year in, which seems like a mm. an awfully quick turnaround. But no, I don't. I don't anticipate that it's going to have any impact on the product on the floor. If anything, the Mavericks' pockets are getting deeper. I don't think this is something, that, honestly, that Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, and I don't think they're going to be spending a whole lot of time thinking about this. This is one of those odd situations, though, because he is very visible, right? And when he is the loud owner that's on the sideline yelling, and yes, he does have his handprint on the organization everywhere, but when he is the owner versus the person who is in charge of basketball operations who does not own the majority of the team. Is there a different dynamic there? Does he have to change his approach with the team now that he's sold the majority stake? I don't know that Cuban is capable of changing his approach. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he has mellowed a little bit over the years, but is Mark Cuban still going to be sitting in that courtside seat in Dallas where he can walk five steps and get into the huddles during timeouts. Hmm. Yeah, I would absolutely anticipate that to continue to be the case. When he's on the road, is he still going to be in the second row of the Mavericks bench? I certainly would anticipate that to be the case. I think you're going to see a whole lot more of Mark Cuban's face. I don't anticipate Cuban suddenly becoming a shrinking violet. <laughs> right. No, I don't think many people do. I am curious, though. It feels like he cemented his legacy with that 2011 championship, uh, obviously with throughout the course of Dirk Nowitzki's career, benefiting from all the good that came with that. 
but it doesn't seem like he's going to be going away. Like you mentioned, he's going to be part of the NBA for the foreseeable future, presumably running this organization still. So I'm wondering what you think Mark Cuban's NBA legacy will be in the end. Yeah, certainly no plans to go away. Um, Boy, Mark Cuban's legacy, that that could be a, a long conversation. I think ultimately his legacy is just going to be primarily as this brash billionaire who shook up the league. And you know the, the league has changed in a lot of ways since Mark Cuban got involved. You can talk about some of the ways that the league is marketed. You can talk about you know the analytics revolution uh, within the NBA. A lot of the newer owners uh, around the league. There are shades of Mark Cuban and a lot of these people in terms of visibility, in terms of the desire to be more hands-on with the basketball side of things. The Mavericks were a completely irrelevant franchise Mm -hmm. when he took it over. They've become kind of a, a focal point franchise in the NBA during his ownership tenure. He's had an awful lot to do with that. Do you think Mark Cuban will be the success that he was in this version of his Dallas Mavericks role? I am fascinated to see how this partnership works out. I have a a lot of questions just about, hey, yes, they have deep pockets. How much will they be willing to spend to fund a contender? Am I going to sit here and tell you that I'm confident that Mark Cuban is going to build a dynasty in Dallas? I, I, I can't say that, but... There's still pressure on the Mavericks because they have a superstar, you know, an MVP caliber player. There's still that sort of uh, of pressure, but, uh, you know, it's a challenge that certainly Mark Cuban is excited about having. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate you. I'm Israel Gutierrez. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow.